0: Hello and welcome to AgPHD Radio. I am Brian Hefty, live in the Morton studio. Today we're going to be talking about soybean traits and seed treatments. We would be more than happy to talk about anything that's going on on your farm, though. If you'd like to call into the show, our number here 44 AGPHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us, radio at agphd.com, or send us a note on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Darren Hefty. Or Brian Hefty. All right, so uh, talking about soybean traits and seed treatments, it's actually one of my favorite topics because there's there, there's so much. Let's see how. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? There, I'm not going to say necessarily controversy, but there are a lot of people who disagree with each other on what trait is actually the highest yielding. So, of course, you're going to have people in the industry who are going to say, oh, extend is actually the best. And then others will say, no, wait, this new Enlist is the best. And then some will tell you, well, LLGT27 is actually really good. So I want to talk about each of those. And then on the seed treatment side, there is an enormous difference in seed treatments. And you may be paying $15 for a seed treatment package, and one company may have 36 things in there that's what we're getting in our seed or another company may offer you five things so there could be a lot of difference and it's really important to know what exactly you're getting here's what i find quite often when people are buying herbicides or foliar fungicides, or foliar insecticides. They ask great questions. They know exactly what's in there. A lot of times they're even familiar with the active ingredients. They know what the stuff does. They see it work. They check it out. It's great. But how about with seed treatments? Are you actually trying different seed treatments? Do you know what's really in there? What are the active ingredients? What are they working on? Are you comparing one versus another? typically that's not what we find. We usually find, well, the seed dealer had this, so they put it on. They said it was the full treatment package, so all I know is I got the full thing. (laughs) That's usually what I hear. And I'm just trying to say, I would encourage you, ask more questions because there are some companies that are selling you a lot of stuff that's not the best. And for just as much money, you could get the best. All right, so let's start with The soybean traits, extend versus enlist versus LLGT27. I will first say, to answer the question, is there yield drag with any of these traits? Look, there could possibly be some yield drag with any trait. It's just like when people ask about herbicides. Well, this herbicide can be hard on the crop. Look, all herbicides can damage the crop. That's just the way it is. I'd love to not have to use any trait. I'd love to have to to get to not use any crop protection products, and just somehow magically all my problems disappeared—weeds, insects, diseases, everything was just gone. That'd be great, okay? But it's never gonna happen that way. So anyway, Extend is the most popular trait in the United States today, and Enlist is growing very quickly in popularity because people don't want to, or in some cases can't, spray Dicamba. So with Enlist, you have the option to spray 2,4-D or Roundup, but the other big option you have is Liberty. So a lot of the people that used to plant just straight Liberty beans, they're switching over to Enlist. And I get it, because in a lot of cases, the yields are higher, and the other thing is now you also have the ability to spray Roundup or 2,4-D over the top of that crop if you would like. With the LLGT27, here's one thing you may not have thought about. The LLGT stands for you can spray it with Liberty or you can spray it with glyphosate. Okay, So those two things, same as what you would get in Enlist, it's just Enlist, you can also spray 2,4-D. But anyway, the LLGT27, the, the big thing that you need to know that's different is that number 27. You know what that is? That's for HPPD tolerance. That's group 27, chemical Group Twenty Seven, and that means that when you plant those beans, it's going to be tolerant to HPPD carryover from last year's corn. Think about last year: did you plant your corn early? Did you plant it late? Did you spray your corn early? Did you spray it late? You probably had a lot of weeds. You probably kept the rate high, so there's a good chance of carryover. Well, if you're worried about that, Hello GT Twenty Seven is a good way to go. Over the last two days, Darren and I have done a whole bunch of training with agronomists from around the country. It's been fun. I'll tell you a little about that more later in the show. But anyway, this is one of the questions that I got. The agronomist said, hey, in my area, a lot of guys sprayed too much. What I feel, he said, is too much HPPD. Would LLGT27 be a good way to go this year? And I said, yep. If you feel the farmer sprayed too much HPPD and we're worried about carryover this year, I'd either not plant beans, I'd go back to corn again, or I'd put in these LLGT27s. So, anyway, there are really good options yield wise for extend, for enlist, for LLGT27. They all yield really, really well. I don't have any problem with that. The thing that you got to look at is am I picking the right individual variety for the disease tolerance, just the overall defensive traits, the defensive package that I'm looking for? Is that what I need? So make sure you're down to the individual variety level, not just say, well, I'll just go extend, I, you know, whatever. I'll just plant a bunch of extend beans. Pick the right variety. Same thing with Enlist, same thing with LGT27. All right, then we talk about seed treatments. There are four main categories, really, I guess you could call it three. Okay, we've got fungicide, we've got insecticide, and then we have biologicals or i like to call them natural products now a lot of times i will consider inoculants separate from that but inoculants lie bacteria okay the reason why i consider it separate is inoculant has been out for years and years and years that's for nitrogen fixing you know what that is the other biologicals or naturals you may not have any familiarity with We're using a lot of those on our farm. We've been experimenting with them for almost 20 years now. And yeah, it took us a little while to find stuff that for us actually worked. Now, I'm not going to say that it works every single time and gives you unbelievably great yield gains, but we have been able to pop seed out of the ground faster. We've been able to find just overall better nutrient levels in the plant, better tolerance to certain disease because we have a healthier plant. And in the end, we're getting higher yields in a lot of cases. So I would encourage you... Make sure when you're talking about seed traits, you're not just thinking the trait, you're down to the variety level and getting the right defensive package you need. And when you're thinking seed treatments, make sure you ask your dealer all the important questions and know what's really in that seed treatment package and what you're spending your dollars on. Well, we'll continue talking about this topic and we'll answer your questions on today's show. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Bean growers continue to see yield loss
1: from white mold across the Midwest this season. To maximize next year's crop, a white mold prevention strategy that includes Contans WG soil fungicide is a must for your farming operation. Applying Contans this fall to reduce the sclerotia in the soil is the most effective way to stop white mold at its source. Start a Contans white mold control strategy this fall or pay for it later in lost yield.
2: If you're a rancher who's obsessed with keeping your pastures clear, turn to Grazon Next herbicide. It offers superior broadleaf weed control, so instead of thinking about weeds, you can think about the money you'll save growing more grass and buying less feed. Used early in the season, Grazon Next also provides residual activity that controls newly emerged weed seedlings, giving you season-long control. Start enhancing your land while you protect it. Visit leavetheweedstous.com to learn more about Grazon Next. Always read and follow label directions.
3: Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions.
2: Build with the best. When you choose Morton Buildings for your next farm storage building, you'll experience the Morton Advantage at every step, starting before the walls even go up. Since the value of our buildings is in its ability to protect what you have stored inside, We ensure that every component is researched and tested to withstand the elements in all weather conditions and we back it up with the strongest warranty in the business. Looks better, built stronger, lasts longer. Learn more at MortonBuildings.com.
0: Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we are talking about soybean traits and seed treatments. If you've got any questions for us, or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that is happening on your farm right now, we'd love to take your phone call here. It's 844 44 ag or you can send me an email radio at agphd.com. We will get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag coming up just a little bit later in the show. Uh, first on the show today, we've got AJ Holman. He is with Bear as a Seed Growth Marketing Manager. AJ, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing well, Brian. How are you doing? Excellent. So when when I saw your title, I just thought you know, Seed Growth could mean a lot of things. So what do you deal with specifically when it when it comes to this Seed Growth platform?
4: So in regards to Seed Growth, I lead all marketing efforts. Um, really around our seed treatment business. And what a lot of folks know that of, especially in soybeans, is our Acceleron portfolio. So uh, that's my
0: baby, and I'm really proud of it. All right. When you talk about Acceleron, though, there could be different things in Acceleron, depending on the year, depending on the region of the country. Can you explain that just a little bit?
4: Yeah, no doubts. When it comes to Acceleron seed applied solutions and our seed treatment portfolio, specifically on soybeans, there's multiple different components that make up Acceleron. Um, When we look at soybean seed treatments, a lot of folks are familiar with fungicides and insecticides. And obviously, we have those within our portfolio, uh, but we also have additional products as well um, for specific pests or issues that might not happen every year. But when they do, they can be devastating. So, for instance, uh, nematodes. I mean, there's more and more awareness, more and more familiarity with nematodes, specifically soybean cyst nematodes. So we do have a lineup of nematocides uh, in our portfolio that can help protect from nematodes from a seed treatment perspective. Uh, not only do we have the fungicides, insecticides and the nematocides that I just alluded to. And all those products are great for really being on the defense and protecting that seed and that huge investment that farmers are making. But we also have a pretty large portfolio of biologicals, or what we refer to as bio-enhancers, that can really help your soybean seed go on the offensive by helping jumpstart the nodulation process and, and helping that soybean seed reach out and grab onto additional nutrients and different uh, additional moisture um, to help
0: it thrive and, and really maximize its potential. All right, You mentioned those biologicals, and I think that's the thing, the category that farmers are perhaps the most skeptical about. So why should a farmer invest in a biological? What are you seeing for yield gains with your bioenhancers?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think it really varies on different parts of the country. You've got some people that they inoculate their soybean every year. They use that rhizobia-based inoculate to really jumpstart that nodulation process. And maybe other regions of the country, it's not so popular, but uh, no doubt about it, we definitely see a nice advantage with jumpstarting that nodulation process. We've got uh, certain inoculants within our portfolio that not only have the rhizobia base, but they've got other components to it as well, uh, such as LCO, so lipocytaligosaccharides. We've got some data that suggests that when we combine an LCO, with a rhizobia-based inoculant, that we're actually able to jumpstart the nodulation process twice as fast as compared to saying uh, having a rhizobia-based product alone. So some stuff that really gets us excited. And again, this is natural organisms that are already happening underneath the soil. We're just really jumpstarting that process. So using what's already there with Mother Nature to help those soybeans thrive. And again, uh, take care of them early on so that they can... Uh, uh, produce a good yield at the end of the season
0: years ago a lot of farmers that were treating their soybeans would put one maybe two fungicides on that seed and now it seems like the package is super popular so tell us a little bit about the importance of having multiple modes of action multiple fungicides in your seed treatment package Yeah, no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, where we sit here today in December, we don't know
4: exactly what Mother Nature is going to throw our way come this planting season. Uh, It could be cool and wet, uh, and those are um, conditions to where different diseases like fusarium and pythium can really thrive. Or maybe it's still wet, but maybe it's warm. That's an area where Rhizoctonia can really thrive. So having these different fungicides that can protect against different diseases, putting that all in one package really helps ensure that the farmer is protected from whatever Mother Nature might throw at them. So um, paraclostrobin, fluxapyroxad, metalaxyl, um, these are the fungicides that we use within our Acceleron
0: soybean portfolio. All right. Then you also mentioned insects. Uh, there are some people out there who say, well, if there was anything I was going to cut, it would be that insecticide. But kind of the way I look at this is you only have to have it hit about one time in 20 years to pay for that insecticide. So why are I know that for you as a company and for seed-treating companies all around the United States and even into Canada, there is a tremendous amount of seed-applied insecticide used. So, can, can you talk to us about that and how you look at that ROI? Because sometimes it doesn't seem like it pays, but then other times it's a home run.
4: Yeah, no doubt about that. You bring up a really valid point. So, imidacloprid is the insecticide that we use within our Acceleron soybean portfolio. And that is labeled against uh, up to nine different uh, pests that can really be burdensome to soybeans earlier on in the season. And, you know, what we've seen uh, generally over time is more and more folks are switching to a fungicide and an insecticide package. Roughly 70% of our total Acceleron portfolio has shifted to having that fungicide and that insecticide piece, because I think of the, the great reasons that you bring up is you, know, you might not have bugs every year that are being devastating to your crop, but when you do, having that protection from an insecticide perspective can definitely play dividends. So I think it's something that we certainly encourage all of our growers to certainly be looking at when it comes time to picking out seed and especially seed treatment.
0: I was talking earlier in the show that over the last couple days, Darren and I have been doing a lot of training with agronomists. Well, one of the things I brought up to many of them Many of these agronomists are from the Midwest and they don't, they aren't used to dealing with a whole lot of cover crops and certainly a lot of prevent plant. And I said, I just, uh, guys and gals, I want to tell you a quick story from when I was a young agronomist. I was out in a cornfield one time. A guy called me up and said, Hey, come look at my cornfield because it's not growing. And I thought, well, that seems strange. So I went out there and every single kernel was hollowed out from wireworms. And I found a little trend back then. Granted, this is a long time ago. But anyway, anybody that had a rye cover crop had more problems with wireworms, and I brought this up today to everybody and they're all like what I haven't heard that before and I go yes you have to think about the secondary pest too I don't care if we're talking about corn or soybeans or any crop when you have weird things going on the weather's been strange the last couple years we've had prevent plant we've had guys planting at times of year planting crops or cover crops they don't normally plant strange things can happen so having some insecticide protection I think is good. Uh, the last thing you would mentioned is nematodes. Are, are are you able to actually control any cyst nematodes, soybean cyst nematodes? Are you are you suppressing them?
4: So what we're doing is we're really suppressing and we're trying to protect that root zone specifically from where nematodes attack. Um, we're utilizing a product this year in Olivo, right? We all are familiar with Olivo from a sudden death syndrome perspective. It's been the leader when it comes to SDS and soybeans for a number of years now. But one of the really nice things with Olivo specifically is the flexibility that provides from also controlling nematodes as well, not just the SDS. So. You've got that flexibility. Once again, whatever Mother Nature throws at you, you can certainly be protected from.
0: Yeah, what I talk to people about a lot of times is many of these nematicides, yeah, they're they're not control products. But all we really Mm -hmm. have to do is keep those nematodes away from the plant so even if it's just a repellent to some degree that lasts for a little while you could get quite a bit of gain because i think like in the state of iowa they still talk about that being the number one yield robber in soybeans is soybean cyst nematode yet um i don't think we talk about it enough and i don't see a, a lot of farmers actually using a lot of the nematicides that are now available and and to your point yeah we've got a well four years ago we didn't even have a levo there's so many new products and i mean i just i think it's an interesting market segment and something we probably should talk a little more about well we've been talking to aj holman he's with bear and uh, working on uh, seed growth with them uh aj thanks a lot for the time today really appreciate it hey thank you you guys have a great day yep you too All right, so again, we're talking soybean traits and seed treatments today. If you'd like to call into the show, our number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. Or you can send me an email, radio at agphd.com. Stay tuned. We'll talk a little more about seed treat and traits right after this.
3: Are you combining around weed patches, waiting for weeds to dry down, or tired of spring burndown failures? Save time, nutrients, and moisture by including a Valor herbicide brand in your fall burndown program. Valor provides excellent residual control of tough weeds including kochia, tail, prickly lettuce, dandelion, plus suppression of bromes. Proactive, effective weed resistance management starts in the fall. Get a clean start for your next season with Valor Herbicide Brands. Always read and follow label directions.
1: Revitech Fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech Fungicide. Brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF. That's smart. Always read and follow label directions.
4: Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic insecticides from Atticus LLC. Unwanted insects are a nuisance, but they're no match for Serpent from Atticus. Serpent delivers economical, fast acting, broad spectrum control to help your corn, soybeans and wheat crops thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit atticusllc.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions.
1: You know a healthy crop is required for your best results. Simply put, balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid fertilizers have the research, technology, and products to deliver those results. We also have an outstanding team of field agronomists ready to help you with your fertility decisions. Agroliquid can help you maximize your yield potential effectively and economically. Visit agroliquid.com to find a
2: dealer near you. Every flood begins with a raindrop. Every drought was once a sunny day. Every plague of insects grew from a couple of eggs and every hurricane from a breeze. Our biggest problems start small. But what if the biggest solutions do too? At Indigo, we're using the natural microbes found on plants that survive droughts to help other plants survive them too. Visit indigoag.com grow to learn more. Indigo, from questions we grow.
0: Thanks for listening today to AGPHD Radio, talking soybean traits and seed treatments today. Again, if you want to call in, it's 844 44 AGPHD. We are very pleased to be joined by one of the best farmers in the United States. It is Jimmy Frederick. He is from the state of Nebraska. Hey Jimmy, how you doing today? Pretty good. How you doing, buddy? Excellent. So I, I'm just curious, what what do you see in your area in terms of extend versus Enlist versus LLGT27? You don't necessarily have to tell me what you're doing on your farm, but which direction are a lot of guys going in your area?
5: Well, it just kind of depends, I think. Um, it's just whatever farmer feels they want to do. It's I don't know that anybody has a real rhyme or reason behind it besides just a few weed issues. But I, there's a lot of dicamba, but there's a lot of, and list, too. What's
0: um, what's what's what is the number one weed issue around you?
5: Oh, probably water hemp would be the biggest one to battle, besides Palmer, I guess. Um, but a lot of guys go and extends just to be protected from their neighbors. They don't want any issues, you know. So.
0: <laughs> yep, and, and then I assume the next thing would be mare's tail for anybody that's no tilling near you.
5: Yeah, that just come on last year. Prior to that, it hasn't been real bad. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if it's going to be a continued issue or if it was just a fluke type uh, deal.
0: Yep. Uh, how about any LLGT27s? Have you seen any of those around your area?
5: No, we haven't seen any of
0: those yet. Yeah, yep, yeah. it seems like pockets, and and that gets to be a big deal. Okay, so how about on the seed treatment side? Well, I know you're using a whole bunch of different seed treatments. You've been trying a lot of things over the years. Is there anything in particular that you can comment for us on when it comes to fungicide, insecticide, nematicide, biologicals, plant growth hormones? Is there anything where you say, boy, the average farmer's not doing this, and he might want to take a look at it?
5: Yeah, I, I mean, the inoculant treatment alone, you know, along with even a biological is well worth it. Um, I mean, my always philosophy has been that's the only time if you can't get it out of the ground, you know, with a healthy system or doing the best you can at the beginning. It's hard to catch up later on in the year. So I always feel more dollars up front is better spent sometimes than later on type of deal. So I think seed treatments are very valuable, in my point, my opinion.
0: And I assume with the way the year was in 2019, it, it did it feel to you that seed treatments paid even better than normal this year? Or what did you think?
5: I think so. I did some trials, and um, it kind of went from um, field to field to genetic to genetic, I think, was a lot of it.
0: Sure. So you talk about these trials you did, what what do you normally see in terms of like a yield gain for a treated versus an untreated, for example, with your seed treatment package you're using?
5: Oh, you can see, you know, on an average, easy three or four bushel um, yeah. difference without any, any pressure.
0: Yeah. And I I, I am glad you used the words without any pressure because sometimes we see some enormous (laughs) gains. You just don't know when you're going to have it. And that, I think, is one of the biggest things that hangs a lot of guys up on seed treatment. They want the home run where it always pays. So, for example, if you have a whole bunch of weeds in your field and you go spray them and they die, they go, that's a home run. I I know that paid. But when it's seed treatment, you're like, look, I'm putting the money out. I don't know if it's going to pay this year. And some years, occasionally, it doesn't. But a lot of times, it pays decent and then every once in a while you absolutely hit the home run I've had that before even inoculant there was one year literally we did inoculant trials and inoculant alone gained me five bushels on be on ground where we would had beans every other year for 20 years so you just never know with these seed treatment things and I think that's the biggest thing do you see that same kind of thing
5: yeah absolutely and I, I hear a lot of guys talking the same language you're talking you know just don't know if it pays don't know if it's worth it yep um Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's something um, guys need to just go out and look and see if it actually did help or, you know, instead of from a window point of view, but um, to see if the plant, you know, did react to it and go from
0: there. You know, here's my. You're right. Yeah, here, here's my theory on it, Jimmy. I think that a lot of guys want they want to push the easy button and they say, well, if it shows up on the yield monitor on the combine, then it must have paid. And I go, well, wait a second here. You didn't spend that much on the seed treatment. And if, to your point, if it gives you three or four bushels, do you notice a three or four bushel difference on the yield monitor? I don't most of the time. I mean, no. it's got to be very significant. I, I Like on our own farm this year, the only major thing I noticed was a 30 bushel difference from one variety to the other, because I could see it even on the satellite imagery, and I'm like, hey, what's going on here? Well, you're not going to have 30 bushel yield differences on some of these things. It's going to be five, but at five, it still pays.
5: Yeah, absolutely. Yep, totally agree. All
0: right, so when it comes to just soybeans in general, is there anything else that you noticed in 2019 where you said, boy, that, that really paid for me this year? I mean, did anything stand out maybe different than normal? I mean, from what you usually see.
5: Well, 2019 is, it's kind of a tough year. I don't know For what sure. to bank off of this year to go from, from here, but, um, getting lit, planted late and the weather was all messed up. I just don't know how much to take in, you know, this year is going to really ever work again, maybe type of deal. Um, it was just really messed up, but, yep. Uh, it was more on the front end. Um, a little heavier in furrow on the beans um, with the biologicals, um, I think was my biggest boost. But
0: hey, you meant tough
5: to say, this is tough,
0: use. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, you mentioned in furrow on beans, and so I want to ask you this you, you said biologicals, but do you ever do any fertilizer in furrow? Do you worry about getting too much salt in that furrow with fertilizer?
5: Oh uh, no! I use a uh, like a nine twenty four three hundred percent ortho food grade or a three eighteen eighteen. Uh, I won't do anything with any salt or any much nitrogen at all in it because I don't want to elongate them beans, get yep. excited too early. Yep.
0: Yep. And I assume you keep the rate pretty low.
5: Uh, that I don't do. I run around twelve gallon, ten to twelve. I variable rate quite a bit but that's my average
0: usually comes out 12 and a half gallon in furrow in soybeans
5: in furrow yeah
0: no. <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> yep that's yep. that's that's a lot uh yeah. but 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 you said the key words uh on the salt thing i mean that that salt thing is just a really big deal we do have a lot of guys obviously that are putting 1034 oh out, out for example and 1034 o is fine it's just it's got a lot of salt so you'd really have to be careful if you're using a high salt product
5: yeah, absolutely, for sure. All
0: right, so is there anything you're changing on, let's say, the majority of your farm going into 2020, whether it was based on 2019 or just based on today's economics or anything else you're kind of feeling right now? Anything big you're going to change this next year?
5: Um, I'm still dropping population. Um, but other than that, uh, not that I know of yet, um, but the lowest bean population I had this year was 20,000 and they still made (laughs) 70.3. Yep. yep, That's (laughs) awful good.
0: Now, I, this is one of the things I was just talking to a farmer about right before the radio show because he was talking about cutting bean populations too. And I said, well, just be a little bit careful because when you don't have crop can- as much crop canopy, let's say maybe your beans are a little shorter, uh, you know, especially if you're in 30-inch rows, then just make sure you're paying attention to that, that weed control thing. So can you talk to me about weed control? What do you do when you don't have all that crop canopy out there? You're going low populations. you do anything different on herbicides?
5: Nope. No I never had any weed pressure that low this year really. Um, sprayed it just like the normal field, and nothing ever come through. but I did notice that uh the lower population and genetics changed a lot from um, you know just like a three one to a three three I put them side by side, and the yield outcome was totally different between the two, yeah. So dropping population, and I went from 20 to 80 in this trial, and it was a big trial. I mean, two acres per number or better. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I got up closer to the 80,000, they were within a half a bushel of each other.
0: Okay. And so- down at
5: 20,000, they were uh, 30 bushel apart. <laughs>
0: Yeah, a thirty bushel difference is a lot. Uh, last, yep. yep. I I I, I guess uh, I could talk to you all day. I got all kinds of questions for you, but I gotta let you go. I, I know you're busy and everything, and I really really appreciate the time. Again, we've been talking to Jimmy Frederick. He's a fantastic farmer in the state of Nebraska. Great soybeans, just great farmer in general. Jimmy, thanks a lot for the time. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Brian. Have a good day. Yep, you too. All right, stay tuned. We'll talk a little more soybean traits and seed treatments right after this.
2: There's a new authority in town. New Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC combines the best-in-class Group 14 PPO herbicide with the newest Group 15 herbicide for lasting residual control of water hemp, palmer amaranth, kochia, pigweed, and other tough-resistant weeds. This exclusive liquid premix of single-application chemistries protects your soybeans from pre-plant to harvest. It also protects your bottom line. Authority Supreme Herbicide qualifies for the agronomic and economic incentives of the FMC Freedom Pass Program. Rule your soybean fields with more authority than ever before with Authority Supreme Herbicide from FMC. More powerful preventative control isn't on the horizon, it's here. Visit your FMC retailer or FMCcrop.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions, restrictions and precautions for use. Authority Supreme Herbicide is not registered for sale or use in California. FMC and Authority are trademarks of FMC Corporation or an affiliate.
1: In order to be the best farmer you can be, you've got to have a grain marketing plan. But what do you do when you're too busy out in the fields trying to maximize yield? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. Brother Brian and I are always busy learning more about how to make our farm more successful. That's why we use Grain PhD to learn more about grain marketing and to work with our Grain PhD risk expert to create a complete grain marketing strategy. Visit GrainPhD.com to learn more about a free consultation for your operation.
2: White mold, sudden death syndrome, root rot, If you raise soybeans, it may seem like you have all the cards stacked against you when it comes to disease. But did you know there is a new cost-effective seed treatment which can help prevent all three? Heads Up Seed Treatment offers a new proactive approach for dealing with fungal and bacterial diseases. Compatible with other seed treatments, hedge your bet against disease this spring. Ask your dealer for Heads Up today. To locate a dealer, visit HeadsUpST.com.
4: How much yield did you lose the moment you planted your seed? Introducing the Germinator closing wheel from Farm Shop MFG, designed and built by a farmer tired of seeing yield loss from poor stands. The Germinator gives your crop the strong start it needs for maximum yield. Visit farmshopmfg.com. We started
1: utilizing the Dual React system this year. You can adjust your speed, and it automatically adjusts your sprayer tips, so you can slow down and you aren't building up huge droplets, or you can speed up and you're not throwing a mist that's drifting. Hypro, helping you spray better. Pastures
2: should have two things, grass and cattle. No weeds, no brush. That's why Chaparral Herbicide offers the broadest spectrum weed control available. It controls weeds
4: other products can miss, like buckbrush and Canada thistle. And less weeds and brush in your pastures means more forage, so you spend less on feed. Chaparral also suppresses seed heads,
2: lessening the effects of fescue toxicosis, all while providing season-long residual control.
4: Visit NoWeedsNoBrush.com today and learn more about Chaparral.
0: Back to Ag PhD Radio, Brian Hefty here live in the Morton studio. Today on the show, we're talking about soybean traits and seed treatments. And next, we have Steve Sofer on with us. He is with Valent. Steve, how are you today? I'm doing
6: well. How are
2: you?
0: Excellent. All right, so at Valent, I assume the number one thing you're talking to people about right now on the seed treatment side is a Veo, correct?
6: That is correct.
0: All right, so a veil, yeah, Aveo is a nematicide that's uh, relatively new to the marketplace. What's different about Aveo versus some of these other nematicides out there the farmer could get as a seed treatment?
6: Well, one of the main things that's different about Aveo, uh, it's very safe compared to maybe a couple of the other ones and, and one of the nematicides that, that got pulled off the market. It's extremely safe, but it also... Is an extremely low rate product, which maybe isn't a difference to the farmer. But if you're uh, an applicator running a, a seed treater, that low rate doesn't change the color, the way it treats, the way it flows. But it, what's important to the farmer is it doesn't change how it flows through the planter and, and doesn't uh, mess with populations or monitors or anything. So it's a very nice product in that aspect.
0: All right, so. Avail as a nematocide is it just for soybean cyst nematode or how about for other nematodes that could be in a farmer's field?
6: It works for all nematodes uh, when, when applied to soybean seed. Obviously, the main thing you're going for in the Midwest is uh, soybean cyst nematode. It does work for root knot in the south. Um, that's a little out of my area. But I, I do know they've seen some excellent results down there. But also as a it does have a label for corn, so um there's a few seed companies out there that are using a EZ on the corn and it's working for uh, you know, all the corn nematodes, the dagger, the sting and and uh you know, those those yield robbing nematodes in corn.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting here over the last few years there's been a lot more talk about these nematodes and when I was a very young agronomist and I was down spending some time in Nebraska, I kept talking to farmers who said, yeah, I'm using, uh, back then it was either furidan or counter for insecticide on corn. And I said, boy, you must have a lot of rootworm problems. You're using a lot of this stuff every year. And they go, no, it's it's more for nematodes. I go, what? I've never even right. heard of that when I was a young agronomist. Nobody in in my area in South Dakota really had this problem. But yeah, Nebraska, it was a really big deal. And and so every year I keep talking to more and more farmers that are figuring out, you know, this is kind of an issue for me. And then all of a sudden the soybean cyst nematode got to be big. I, I do talk to a lot of farmers in the southern U.S. who have root knot. And I, yeah, there are a lot of different species out there that could be controlled. So anyway, what does Aveo do? actually does it kill them does it repel them does it suppress them what does it do
6: it creates an environment around the roots it's not really a barrier it's a whole environment and what it does is it it's it's like you and i going out in july on a really hot day and it's 95 degrees with high humidity we don't feel like doing anything we don't want to be out there so we go inside the nematodes do the same thing they encounter that environment they don't want to reproduce uh, they just want to, you know, get out of there. So whether it, whether it stars them to death or whether they, uh, you know, they can't reproduce one way or the other, it, it makes it so that uh, you just don't have the nematodes, uh, the females getting into the roots and, and creating the cysts that, that everybody sees when they dig up the roots. So it does a really nice job there.
0: When do, well, here's my question. With some of these nematodes, they might not hit that plant till maybe a little bit later in the season. How long is this avail going to protect that, that seed and that young soybean plant?
6: We've seen greenhouse studies that takes it out to 82 days. But uh, in field, I, I'm still, I say it's season long, but it'll get you from uh, w- within a, a week or two from the when that plant sprouts and start and the roots start to grow all the way, you know, into August and September.
0: Yeah, and what would hit very late in the season isn't that big a concern. What we're much more worried about is the stuff that's going to hit you in June or even in July. So I I think that's one of the things to stress, too. You don't necessarily have to have it last until the day you harvest. We care about the early season protection, the first 30 days, and maybe even the first 60 days. All right, anything else you can tell us about Aveo, anything else important for the farmer to know about it?
6: Well, again, it's a very safe product, and it's a biological nematicide. It's got a nice shelf life. Once it's on seed, it lasts, um, you know, from the time it's bagged to, to well after it's planted. And it's a very hardy bacteria. So, um, but but again, it's just the safety factor of it of being a biological, and I think for the for the farmer, uh, having a very safe product that's going to work is 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 very important.
0: All right, great information. Again, we've been talking to Steve Sulfer. He is with Valent. Steve, thanks a lot for the time today. Thank you. You bet. All right, so to wrap up on our soybean traits and seed treatments discussion, we spent a lot of time talking about the seed treatments, and I, I, I guess I'll, I'll just give you a couple last things on that. So we talked about nematicides a couple of times here today, but if you listen to a lot of the universities talk, a lot of experts in our industry, they're going to say, ah, the nematocytes, they don't really pay all that great. I think part of the reason why that gets said is because there end up being hot spots in fields with soybean cyst nematode. I'm not saying that every field is that way, but I am saying there are a lot of fields where it's, it's certain areas are much worse. So if you want to improve your odds of success, one of the things you could do rather than treating the whole field is you could treat part of the field. And you go, well, wait a second. How can I do that if I'm treating my seed? Well, here's how. There are a lot of farmers out there now, us included, that have a variable variety planter. We actually have a variable variety drill as well. So we can plant two different varieties in that field. So we might take a variety that may be a little bit better on cyst nematode and maybe even a different uh, 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 trait. So let's say I have the Peking trait. I mean, I could do that. Normally we say, oh, that doesn't quite yield as well. But if I've got a serious nematode problem in certain pockets in fields, I could go to that. And then I could also get my nematicide on that seed. So now I should have a much better chance for gain. So something for you to be thinking about. And, you know, you might go, oh boy, I've never, never thought about that. Nobody's talked to me about that. Well, part of the reason why is we didn't even have this technology five years ago where you could do multiple varieties in the same field. Well, now that we do, you got to think about all the ways you can do it. It's not just planting a different variety. It's literally you could have a different seed treatment on there, too. It's the same thing I talked to guys about with iron defi- deficiency chlorosis. So they'll put out a product like soy green where they've got this chelated iron. Well, you don't have to do it in the whole field. Do it in your high pH spots where you know you're gonna have the IDC issues, or plant that variety in those IDC spots. And by the way, there you want to bump your planting population. So I mean there are a lot of things that can be done. I, I guess I just encourage you to take a look at that. And then coming back to the soybean traits discussion. Last year, we got a lot of questions about some of these really old varieties of Roundup beans that were off patent and guys could save them. Well, is that a good way to go? Look, if all you care about is trying to get something planted and be able to spray Roundup, then fine. But we just didn't see the yield out of those. And you can see it in a lot of the trial work uh, coming off of 2019. So I, I would just always encourage you. I realize that you want to cut costs. I realize that your banker is telling you you need to cut costs. But let's never forget, cutting costs is only a part of this whole thing. What we really care about at the end of the day is making more money. So I'm all for cutting costs if those costs aren't making you anything. But when the cost is profitable, don't cut the cost. Okay, we got to keep that. And so, anyway, I, I would really take a hard look at these new traits that are coming out. The reason why isn't necessarily even the trait. It's because it's got the newer genetics with it. A lot of the old traits, like, uh, well, just the old Roundup 1, it's not getting new genetics to go along with it. I want, I, I you know, I, I'm most interested, at the end of the day, in yield. I want the best genetics. and. A lot of the best genetics now are coming in these newer traits. So just try some of those things out. Run some yield trials on your own farm. We certainly have. We, we do trials in multiple states. And we found Extend is good, Enlist is good, LLGT27 is good. But again, make sure you're picking the right defensive trait that you need. Pick the right varieties and you'll be in good shape. Well, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD Mailbag next. <music>
1: We know balanced crop nutrition pays. AgriLiquid has the research, technology, and products you need to grow a great crop, plus the expertise to give you a recommendation based on your soils, your fields, and your goals. AgriLiquid has the phosphorus, potassium, and micronutrient products necessary to deliver the best results from a solid fertility program. Visit AgriLiquid.com to find a dealer near you.
3: How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS
0: app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS
3: app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the
0: Steps GMS app. Contact us at StepsGMS.com for more information.
4: As your corn crop grows and the ear begins to form, potassium is at high demand, almost as high as nitrogen. The same is true for soybeans with similar high demands of potassium during pod fill. Don't fall behind ensure your crop is getting its potassium with Catalyst. Catalyst by ActiGrow has been shown to be the best at entering the leaf when compared to other leading potassium products. Visit k-supercharged.com for more information.
2: When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough to control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state.
0: Thanks for joining us here today. We're live in the Morton studio and we're going to jump right back to the phone lines. We've got Troy calling in from Nebraska. Hey, Troy, how's it going today? Oh, pretty good. How are you? Great. I hear you got a soil test question.
5: Yeah, I'm just doing my first uh grid soil sampling we've zoned sampled in the past okay and i don't know if it's because it's too loose of soil but when i push the probe down the six inches a lot of times i only have three or four inches of soil in the probe so i guess do i need to push it down till i get six inches in the probe or is it packing as it
0: <laughs> You'd have to do a little analysis on that yourself. Um, I, I, I would be very worried about continuing to push it down till I get what looks like six inches of soil there. So a lot of times, I'll, I'll just tell you on our farm, what we try to do is sample right after harvest, and the ground is usually quite firm, and we don't have a lot of issues. But when your ground is a little bit looser, sometimes that can happen. All we want at the end of the day is, is the top six inches now how you get that exactly that could be a little bit different and if your soil is that loose you might have to push down a little bit more but I'm just trying to tell you if you push down enough so you get what looks like six inches of soil you might actually have a 10 inch sample or a nine inch sample and that's going to skew your data a little bit so that's what I worry about but the other thing that I would tell you is as long as you're consistent and you do this consistently from from sample to sample and from year to year then it doesn't really make a tremendous amount of difference as long as you tell the lab hey I am pulling eight inch cores maybe you're doing eight inches I don't know but yeah I'm, I'm worried about that a little bit so I'd look at my probe maybe try a couple different styles of probe or something and otherwise hopefully it's just a fluke and you don't continue to have that same problem year after year.
5: All right. Sounds
0: good. Thank you. Yep. So, yeah, sorry. I wish I had a better, simpler way to describe it, but you're just going to have to look a little bit. And I do worry about you going too deep and getting too much soil, especially in certain spots. Because if you start comparing six inch cores in one area of the field to nine inch cores in the other area, you're going to go, ooh, my nine inch core, I'm shorter on fertilizer. Yep, you will be. Because uh, uh, a lot of times we see the six to 12 inch range is less than what the zero to six inch range is. So, Anyway, yeah, it can absolutely skew your well, data. Go ahead.
5: I've only done a few, and it seems to fill the bag about to that red line. So I assume the bags are for six-inch samples. So I'm thinking it's got to be close. yep okay
0: yeah uh yep it's a it that's a good question i'd I'd mess around with that a little bit more i i i'm sorry i know it's making a little more work for you but yeah i i would just experiment a little more on what you need to do but i'm i'm gonna have a tough time saying push your probe much below that six inches yes you might be pushing it down and compacting a little bit and that's where i say maybe a different probe might help but um, more than anything, what I what I think is happening is inside that probe, it is condensing it more than what you've got in the field there. So, yeah, just experiment with it a little bit more. Be a little careful with it, and uh, hopefully, it starts going better for you. All right, thank All right, you. You bet. Thanks, Troy. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. First question is from Steve. He says, "When are your Ag PhD winter workshops?" Uh, Steve, we have that information on our Ag PhD website. If you just go under the events tab, you'll find information for not only our workshops that we're doing this winter, um, and those would include our tiling clinic, uh, weed insect disease workshop. We've got a soils clinic. We have a couple of collegiate agronomy workshops. We also have information there for our field day that's coming up this summer. And then Neil Kinsey is going to do a three-day seminar right on our field day site in early March Uh, it will be indoors don't worry Uh, but right at our Morton Center that we have there at the field day site so anyway we've got all that information on the Ag PhD website under the events tab Uh, next question comes from Sam and he asks does flooded ground have an effect on corn rootworm eggs I was wondering if limiting the oxygen in that soil reduces the survival and reduces how many rootworms I may have going into my corn this year Uh, Sam, that's a fantastic question because unfortunately there are a lot of people dealing with flooded soils and you would think that it would help, right? Because you you go, look, for almost any living organism, um, it's aerobic, which means it needs air. And if there's no air because the ground's flooded, well, then you would think it would die. But there have actually been quite a few studies done on this where if it's in the egg stage, It's unfortunately probably not going to die. If it is in the larva stage, though, then yes, there is a decent chance at that point it would die. But unfortunately, if it's in the larva stage, that probably means your corn is growing. And that probably means that your ground is now flooded. So your corn's not going to do very well either. Uh, So anyway, what we're trying to say here is you're probably going to have to deal with rootworms just about like you normally would. All right. And another question here is from Christopher. He says, hi, do you guys do soil test and fertilizer prescriptions for farmers? Um, Christopher, we don't do specific stuff where we're going to do all your GPS work or anything like that. Uh, that's, that's not really our, our deal. We've got a TV show and a radio show, but we talk about soil tests all the time and what you can do in terms of recommendations. So we can take a look at your soil test. We do this on a very regular basis, literally every day I'm getting soil tests in, and we talk about many of those right here on the show and say, all right, if you're at whatever, 2% base saturation K, and I look at all the rest of your stuff and it's in good shape, I go, okay, you know what? You need potassium because that's what's holding you back more than anything. Your job and our job, uh, so as farmers and as agronomists, we've all got to look at where is our dollar best spent? That's the number one question. It's not, how do I cut expenses? It's, how do I better spend my dollars? And the point is, we want to we want to earn more income all the time. Well, with fertilizer, I think we were just making this comment a couple of days ago on the show. Do you really know, are your dollars for fertilizer being spent exactly right every year? No way. I don't think anybody's doing it right. Not even us. I think we're getting closer all the time. But... You know, the idea is if you look at your soil tests and you try to figure out for each area in each field, what is holding me back most? Where do my dollars first need to go? What's going to give me the best return on investment? That's awesome. That's what we need. And let me say this too. So we spent time today talking about traits, talking about seed treatments, talking about, you know, different varieties and genetics. Uh, We even talked just a little about weed control, insect control, nematicides. None of that means as much to you as great drainage and great fertility. If you get great drainage and great fertility out there, you're going to find that your crops are way more tolerant to everything. So make sure that your dollars are first going to fix the major problems, and those are it, drainage and fertility. But yes, certainly all the other things can can absolutely matter as well. All right, before we wrap up on the show today, I was telling you earlier that I've spent a lot of time the last couple of days training agronomists. And so I'll give you a few highlights of just some things that we talked about a little bit going into 2020. One is the rebate programs that some of these companies are offering are massive. Going into 2020, I was expecting we were gonna see a lot of price increases. On average, chemical prices are down slightly. Now I'm not gonna say down a lot, because here's what we found. And and this is just a general statement. So obviously, a lot of things can change area by area, product by product. But as a general statement, costs absolutely are up in part because of tariffs. So if you're in the United States, obviously, it's going to be different than Canada. But in the United States, we got all these tariffs hitting now. Well, most of our, our ag chemicals are coming from China or at least some of the active ingredients. And so in terms of generic companies, you know, they didn't have a lot of margin to begin with. They've had to raise a lot of costs. In terms of the name brand companies, um, they had a tough year this year with sales and everything else. They're trying to get get more market share, and we're finding many of the name brand companies are down, and in some cases down significantly in price. If you look at Liberty, it's way down. Roundup's down. Spartan's down. A lot of the name brand things are down. BSF lowered their fungicide, many of their fungicide prices, I mean very significantly to the point where you go, hey, wait a second, I haven't been using a lot of fungicide, but now I should at least think about it because the prices are so much less. Some companies are approaching this a different way to lower stuff. They're they're doing a lot of rebates. Bear has a an enormous rebate program that I think you should take a look at. FMC has big rebates. A lot of companies big rebate programs. We talked to Valant today. They have big rebate programs uh, tied in with the Bear stuff. So look at that. And then uh, just a couple last things I'll leave you with. Paraquat's got a label change. So if you want to get with the old, get the old Paraquat, at least in the United States, you still can and don't have to deal with all the new label changes. And then finally, I would just say one of the biggest things in 2020 we're talking to everybody about is more weed pressure. Even if you got your ground planted, if some of your neighbors didn't, that weed seed's blowing around all over the place. And I'm very worried about more weeds in 2020. All right, before we go, just want to say thanks to our production staff and thanks to everybody who called or wrote in with questions. Uh, We really appreciate that. And thanks to you for listening. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio. And now stay tuned for Shark Farmer Radio.